I told my wife I was going to uh, really watch this because this is such an important message. Because where we are today in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, is love always is hopeful. How many know we live in a world that does not have any hope? Many times. And we as Christians, many times, we don't understand that that word hope is a divine word. And we're going to get into more of that next week. But hope is a divine word. I want you to see here. I've told you, this is Jesus speaking in John 16, 33. I've told you all this so that trusting me, say trusting me, in me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart, I've conquered the world. Amen. Hallelujah. I've conquered the world. You know, this word hope means in me, and I want you to write this down, and I won't keep you very long, but I want you to take everything in today and next week about hope, because you're going to find that the word says in 1 Corinthians also 13, it says there's three things that are going to remain, faith, hope, and love. And there's some things in hope that you're going to see next week that even the name Jesus was used in Psalms as part of the word hope. And it's remarkable what God wants to show us here. But so many times we live a life where we feel like we don't have any hope or we confused the word divine hope. And the Lord wants to give us a revelation and understanding of what hope is because we'll come into situations, circumstances that many times we'll blame ourselves like, where's God? What's wrong with me? But I want you to see here, this word hope means... In me, write this down, ownership. In me, you will have, and write this down in the Greek, it uses the word ownership. It's not something you'll go and rent. It's not something you'll have that you can get once in a while or borrow. It's not something that you have to borrow. It's not something that's available every once in a while. In me, you will have unshakable and assured and deep peace. Or in other words, you have ownership of it. The Holy Spirit of peace will be on the inside of you. That is not something, oh God, give me peace. No, it's already yours. You've got to understand to walk in the things of the Spirit. Walk in the things of the Word. Be connected and understand. I have ownership of peace and peace has ownership of me. Amen. It also means to join your reality, what you see, into my reality. Write that down. Joining your reality into my reality. Seeing the things the way I see it. Understanding the way things I understand it. My reality to become your reality. Listen, I was with, I had the privilege to be with Governor Bobby uh, Jindal uh, Thursday and we were eating in the mansion and he was sharing some things. And one of the things that he shared was he shared about after the second Hurricane Rita, he went down to Cameron Parish and he met a pastor there. And he shook this pastor's hand. He says, how are y'all doing? And the pastor said, Governor, we're, we're doing fine. My people's lost their homes. And he said, we lost our church building during Hurricane, Hurricane Ike. And we rebuilt. And next Sunday, we were going to dedicate our brand new building. But this hurricane came and destroyed it a second time. But he says, you know what? We're going to find some other place to meet because it's not about the building. It's about my people and myself getting together and praising the name of Jesus. Now, that is a blessed hope. You know how devastating it would be? Lose your church twice? I mean, I'd just give up and quit. 
Everybody's on their own. I'm moving a higher ground. You know what he says? I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay right here and we're going to have church. You know why? The waters might have destroyed the building, but the waters didn't destroy us. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to magnify and we're going to praise God. But so many times it's so easy to get into a desperate situation where we lose, lose all hope. One of my mentors and one of the great men of God, Lester Summerall, who prayed for my wife and I back in 82 when we were leaving for overseas. Great man, strong man of faith. And you're going to see that hope has to do in the area of boldness. I'll give you that scripture too later on. But, but this man was so bold in the things of God and he knew his God because he walked, walked with his God. And he came home from overseas and his TV station had burnt down. And his son picked him up at the uh, airport and says, Dad, do you want to go see the, uh, the ruins? He says, what do I want to see ashes for? He says, rebuild it. Rebuild it. What do I want to see ashes for? Rebuild it. And you see, when we have an ownership of the peace of God that passes all understanding, that when we go through these things, when His reality becomes our reality, we can hold forth and we can believe God in all things, no matter what it seems that we're coming against. You know, when my wife and I were first on the field working with the Mayans, and Sister Iris is here, and she rode in the back of the truck. She, y'all came in 1983. She came with a group uh, to Punta Gorda. Uh, and she, she was at the dedication of our first Mayan church building. Remember that? We had to eat pig. And most of the group didn't want to eat pig. Yeah, it was some. Anyway, Sister R, she could tell you about the condition of where we, how we lived in there when we were working with the Maya Indians. And it's amazing how God keeps bringing people back in our life. From, I mean, here's Neil and his wife who went to high school with my wife. It's just amazing. But anyway, get back to the message. Here we were, living, working with the Mayans, and she rode nine hours in the back of this truck with the group that came. One time, my wife and I was coming back from the States, uh, back to uh, Punta Gorda, and we had been traveling six days through Mexico, through Belize. We were loaded down. We were ready to get home. And when we got to Belmapan, I had lent my jack to one of the missionaries. And on the way home, we're 21 miles from our house, after traveling the entire nation of Mexico and all of Belize to get to the bottom of Punta Gorda, there by Guatemala. And when we got 21 miles from home, we crossed over the little wooden bridge and some nails punctured and ripped my two back tires. After six days, ready to get to our little house, and our two tires get ripped, and I don't have a jack. I got two spares, but I don't have a jack. We're in the middle of the jungle. So that's a time where you could just say, I quit, I give up. It's hopeless. No jack in the middle of the jungle. What are we going to do? There's no houses around. But we do see a little hut over to the right. So we walk over to this hut in the middle of the jungle. We knock on the door. And this white man opens the door. And he says hello to us in perfect English. And he says, can I help you? And we say, uh, yeah, uh, where are you from? He says, I'm from Baker, Louisiana. I said, uh, okay, well, you know, we're from Bill Platt, Louisiana. And he says, well, how can I help you? I said, do you have anything like a jack or something? I didn't even see an automobile, not a truck, nothing. I said, I got two flat tires up there because of the bridge. And I said, uh, I need a jack. He says, well, we'll see what we can find. And he walked over to the back to the truck with us. And he says, y'all just stay here and I'll be back in a minute. So he left in the hut and he, he turned to the right to go towards the hut and, and disappeared. Well, we're standing there wondering what we're going to do. What's he going to find? And to our left, we start hearing the roar of a diesel engine. And all of a sudden, we start seeing weeds and stuff start moving. And out of the jungle comes this man. 
from Baker, Louisiana, or an angel from Baker, Louisiana, comes out of the jungle on a forklift. And he pulls up to the back of our truck with the forklift, picks our, the back of our truck up. I change both my tires. He puts it down. And we say thank you. Never to see him again. God sent an angel with a forklift right when we need it. Now, you see, you can't tell me that every situation is hopeless. Because our God's not helpless. But And he'll come through. Like he did for this sweetheart right here. I mean healed. And a testimony of the healing power of Jesus Christ. And so many of you, so you cannot give up. Jesus said, in this crazy, godless, wicked world. And tonight I'm going to be starting a series on the end times. And I encourage you to come uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. But listen, it's a godless, wicked, confused world. But in the midst of the confused, chaotic world, there's a reality and an ownership of peace. In the midst of it, to keep your hearts and your minds in me. Amen? No matter what. You know, so how many of you know you hear that thing, when it rains, it pours? I, I don't see, uh, is Sister Terry Miller here? I, I didn't see her this morning. She showed pictures last week when she was in this Middle Eastern country with all her get-up ministering to the Muslims there. She had pictures taken where a hailstorm came in. And not only was a hailstorm bad, but then the hell melted and turned into a flash flood. And the flash flood turned into mudslides. How many of you know, it's like, man, it's just one thing after another. How many of you ever felt like, some, did anybody ever give you a vehicle, say, here, I want to bless you? And they didn't bless you? That wasn't a blessing. Did you ever get married? This doesn't happen to me, but did you ever get married? And when you go to shake your father-in-law's hand who's giving away the bride, he says, thank God, in Greyhound, she's gone. I mean, have you ever gone to a situation like when it seems like it's raining, it's pouring, what are we going to do with this? God wants you to get a revelation of His hope and His peace. Now look at this next scripture in Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. This is the message translation. But now, God's message, the God who made you in the first place, and instead of Jacob, I want you to say your name. The God who made you in the first place. Now say your name out loud. Okay. The one who got you started. Now say your name again. The one who got you started. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name, your mind. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God. Your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I paid a huge price for you. And look at verse 10 through 13. But you are my witnesses. God's decree. You are my hand-picked servants so that you'll come to know and trust me. Understand that both I and who I am. Previous to me, there was no such thing as a God, nor will there be after me. I, yes, I am God. I'm the only Savior there is. I spoke, I saved, I told you what existed long before these upstart gods appeared on the scene. And you know it. You're my witnesses. You're the evidence, God's decree that I am God. I've always been God 
and I'll always be God. No one can take anything from me. I make and who can unmake it? How many receive that in Jesus name? Amen. Now, first Corinthians 13, seven says love hopes all things or is always hopeful. Listen to this. There is 114 verses on hope. Do you know 20 of those 114 verses are in the book of Job? 20 of the verses on hope are in the book of Job. There's people here today that maybe you say, I don't have any hope. It's my fault. Where's God? What's wrong with my life? But listen, Job was a perfect man. Job lost all of his seven children at one time through a tornado. He lost his house. He lost his job. He lost his business. He lost everything he had. He ended up sitting down in the dirt with broken pottery, scratching boils from his head to his toes. And Job has more scriptures on hope than any other book. He didn't do anything to deserve what happened to him. You didn't deserve to happen to you what happened to you. So many people are quick to say, you know, it's my fault I'm in this condition. No, it's not. He's hoped that you can get out of that condition. Don't settle. Any one of you. You are the witnesses that he's God. I make and who can unmake. And he says, you are my witnesses. Even in the midst of the turmoil, the hurt, the pain, the suffering you're in right now. Even in the mess, you might have helped create. I'm going to get glory out of it because you're going to give me all the glory because I'm the only one who's capable and able of getting you out of what you've been in. It's hope that will last forever. And so he says here, I am God. I will free. I will deliver. Now listen, God, one thing about hope is that I'm going to show you a scripture that means hope talks about being strong, about being bold. But I want you to see this. So many times... We are the light of the world. And I'm going to give you a scripture that talks about us being light in darkness and about even in the midst of darkness. One of the definitions for hope is to be in darkness, but yet have anticipation for the light. Listen, sometimes not only are we in the midst of darkness, sometimes God will send us into darkness. Because there's some people there who need hope and need restoration. But let me share something with you. If we walk around like we're the most hopeless People in the world. We're supposed to look like the witnesses of the Almighty. And a lot of times we look like we're witnesses of this chaotic world. We live like we're subject to the, the, the things of this chaotic world. And we live hopeless and, and, and in anxiety and everything that is opposite from the word hope. And we're witnesses that the, we live like we're witnesses that the devil's winning. When we're called to be witnesses that our God is winning. Now listen. Listen, to be a witness that he is God, we've got to be enthusiastic, church. Listen, you know, you know what got Caleb into the promised land was when the majority said, we can't do it. Caleb was all enthusiastic and said, Moses, people of Israel, don't listen to the ten spies. Listen to Joshua and I. We can go and we can take the land. And God says, I'm letting that man in. He's hopeful. Well, here he is. Listen, you can read later on. 88 years old. Say 88. 88, 88 years old. All the people over 50 say 88. 88. All the people over 70 say 88. Okay, there's a few. 
Listen. At 88 years old, Caleb was busting a gasket. I want that mountain. I was promised that mountain 40 years ago. And I want that mountain. I'm just as strong as when God gave me that word. I'm just as capable when God gave me that word. And if Moses will receive the word of the Lord and said, I can have that mountain, I'm going to take that mountain. I'm not taking no as an answer. I'm not looking at age. I'm not looking at who's with me or who's not with me. I'm not being a witness of the enemy's crowd. I'm being a witness that if my God is for me, who and what can be against me? And he was busking a gasket. And he was so enthusiastic. At 88 years old, man, I praise God, come on, we he can do it. And you know what? That 88-year-old man, he took that mountain. You know what? You just got to get a little hope. Well, you know, some of us listen more to the Channel 5 weatherman. Well, what's going to happen today? Well, Tom, I think it's going to rain. And tomorrow comes and it don't rain. We put hope in what that man says and make our plans according to what he says. And we don't make our plans according to what God said. God said, I'm in the midst of thee as mighty to save and to deliver. Amen. I want you to see here. Now listen, God can speak to you all kind of different ways. And I don't know how long my wife has had this Avon calendar in the washroom. Because I don't look at it. I don't have John Deere. I got a John Deere calendar. She's got this one. And I don't look at it. But you know what? I saw, I saw this Avon calendar hanging up. And I said, well, what does this say for the month of May? And here's what Avon says. Avon calling. When the world says give up, hope whispers. One more time. When the world says give up, hope whispers. One more time. Look at your neighbor and say that. When the world says give up, hope says one more time. Amen. Now, I want you to see the definition of hope before we get through here today. Now, you've got to get ready for this. I hope you're taking notes. This is the definition for the word hope in Greek. Look at this. To entertain a good opinion. To entertain a good opinion. Well, if you want to know my opinion, this country's going. If you don't want to know my opinion, nobody can be trusted. If you want to know my opinion, I don't like nobody. If you want to know my opinion, she's not the one for the thing. If you want to know my opinion, no. Hope says, I don't care who is where and who they are. I know my God is God. I don't care who's firing a missile and I don't care who's threatening. Hope keeps a good opinion. Now look at this next part. To believe well when there may be some dark appearances and when present evidence is not clear. That's the divine word of hope. To believe well when there may be some dark appearances and when the present evidence is not clear. Have you ever been in an area that's been dark? Maybe you're in an area of darkness in your life. And it's like, have you ever felt like, how am I going to get out of here? 
You know what? Uh, back in 90. 1990, 1991, we had a citywide crusade for 31 days with an evangelist called Carlos Anacondia. He's, he's well-known, powerful man of God. We've had him here one time. Anyway, we had this one day, and we had this month uh, crusade, and we saw over 6,000 people get saved. We, I saw this demon-possessed man jump up six feet, grab Carlos by his ankle, pull him off of the platform. Carlos fell on top of him, cast the devil out, and then went back up and kept on preaching. <laughs> yeah! The, peop- the, the people full of demons because of their idolatry and pagan worship... They would get stiff as a board and you see people carrying them without anything underneath them and their body wouldn't even move like a plywood or nothing. Their body was as steel and straight as can be. And they had a deliverance tent that would hold 300 people and it ran by a diesel generator. And they wanted me to work in the deliverance tent. So I was working the deliverance tent and this one night was the worst night of all. They were hanging me in by their ties. And walking with them. They were howling like wolves. I saw this one guy. The guy I was praying for was howling like a wolf. This other guy got chairs and started throwing them. And then these two on each end started speaking, saying, I am the principality so-and-so. And another one says, I am the principality so-and-so. And it was wild in that tent. But listen, that was while the lights were on. The guy guarding the tent door... Something was wrong with his life. The devil left somebody we prayed for and went in him. He took off running. They had to catch him. But we're praying. I'm praying for this guy. And I see this guy being hung over there. And I'm seeing all this type of stuff. And I'm praying for this guy. And the generator runs out of diesel and the lights go out. In that tent that holds 500, but we had 300 in there. And they're squealing and barking and hollering and throwing chairs speaking in English, speaking in Portuguese, and cursing and everything else, and it's pitch dark. My hair stood up. And I'm, I'm, I'm there, and it's pitch dark. I can't even see my hand. And there's demons hollering and crying. I know I can't get up and run. So what do you do? A hope. I hope I get out of this alive. Lord bless my wife and my children. Oh, come out of him in the name of... I tell you what, it was darkness. And when the light came on, whoo, bring four of them to me right now. I can handle this because if I could cast out devils in the dark, you could cast out devils in the light. But listen... There are times when you're going to be in positions and conditions where it is total darkness, total chaotic. Nothing under your control. Nothing that you can do to change it. Nowhere you can run. Nowhere you can hide. The enemy's all around mocking and laughing. There's darkness all around and you don't have goosebumps of the Holy Ghost. You have goosebumps because you feel the presence of the enemy breathing down your neck. The bills are mounting up. Everything's looking as chaotic and bad as can be. You've gotten the worst news you've ever gotten, and then it seems like more news is coming. Everything seems to be going wrong. What are we going to do? Is at that moment you've got to say, wait a minute. We are a witness of the Lord God Most High. 
I expect, no matter what the appearances of the president's evidence is, and it may be total darkness, God is going to bring some light into this situation, and the glory of God is going to appear. Now look at this next part here. Look what it says here. It says, to stretch its faith beyond appearances. To stretch the faith beyond appearances. For support of an opinion of hope. It's not, well, I've been hoping this was going to happen, but it didn't happen. No, it's to stretch its faith, your faith. Beyond all appearances. He'll never change. Hope goes beyond the appearance. And this is something I'm going to show you in the future. In just a moment. But I may as well show it to you right now. Hope is a word about the future. Hope is a scout. Hope goes into the future. Looks at what you're hoping for. Takes a hold of it. And comes back and shows it to you. Hope is not what you, where you are and what you see now. Hope is in the future. But hope has already seen what you're believing God for. So hope is coming back to show you what you're believing God for. Hope goes beyond appearances for support of an opinion, a promise of hope. For me and my home, we will serve the Lord. Well, it don't look like it's happening. That's your opinion, but I have an opinion of hope. Amen. Well, you still look like you're sick. You look green like green baloney. Well, I don't care what your opinion of my looks are. By the name and the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am of the opinion that I am the healed of the Lord. My hope is not in today or how I feel now. Hope has gone into the future. Got a hold because hope means to have a rope tied to Jesus, the anchor of my hope. I am tied to the anchor of my hope. And no matter what is happening now, I'm not living by now. Hope has seen the future, brought it back to me. And I know, like Job said, regardless, my Redeemer liveth. Now, to stretch his faith beyond the appearances for support of an opinion of hope. Listen to this now. It delights to entertain. Twice it said entertain. It delights to entertain the best expectations. What thoughts are you entertaining? What's your entertainment? Well, this world, the unemployment is going to be so bad, we're all going to be in the food line. There's no hope for anything in the future. We're all going to be needing to bail out, and they don't have nothing left to bail us out. Well, is that what you're... Are you entertaining yourself with CNN, or you're entertaining yourself with the great I Am? It says, to delight, to entertain the best expectations. Look at this now. Ho, ho. Even when met with repeated disappointments. Woo! Somebody ought to be shouting hallelujah. Have you ever been met with repeated disappointments? How many has been married eight times? They're not here today. Okay. Listen. Repeated disappointments. 
You know, I had a vision for this business and this business didn't work out. I had a dream about this and this didn't work out. It delights to entertain the best expectations. How many of you ever heard of Adam Clark's commentaries? Anybody here uh, like to study? Adam Clark's commentaries. He was known as one of the best theologians of the Word of God. They showed the letter that a teacher wrote when he was at school and said, this is the stupidest kid I've ever met. He'll never amount to nothing. And a person came by and says, no matter what they call you, you can end up being one of the most theolo- best theologians of anything you want to if you just apply yourself and work hard. Yeah. Well, guess what? That kid that was called stupid and nothing ended up writing Adam Clark's commentaries, giving revelation for the ages to come. It even with repeated disappointment. I've been at preachers' homes when I would travel and see their kid falling at 6 o'clock in the morning, falling in the front yard, coming home drunk on a Sunday morning. I've seen people go through things and call me and the wife left or the son left or the husband left or this happened and the other. Repeated disappointments in jail, in rehab. And so many times people say, Pastor, do we get to the point where we just let them go? Do we just give up on them? Hope says it delights to entertain the best expectations, even when met with repeated disappointments. You hear that, church? Even with repeated disappointments, I'm not giving up on you. Even with repeated disappointments, I'm not quitting the fight of faith for your salvation, your deliverance, and your victory. Even with repeated disappointments on your drug addiction, your alcohol addiction, your sexual addiction, your hate, your, your, your strife, or whatever it may be, your anger... I am not giving up on my hope because my expectation is of Him and it shall be to me according to how I believe. That's hope in the midst of the darkest, chaotic disappointments of life. Amen? I'll tell you a good example. How many times has Elizabeth Taylor been married? At least eight. Did she quit because the last seven or eight didn't work? I saw her a while back. She's in a wheelchair and she's probably looking for number nine. She don't quit. Now, now, now if, those, if those people can just keep on keeping on, why can't we keep believing and keep it on when all appearances are against us? Now listen to this. Write this down. This is another definition. Hope cannot acknowledge defeat. I'm almost through for today. I need to be through for today. Hope cannot acknowledge defeat. Write that down. Hope, I'm not going to, I'm not defeated. That situation is not hopeless. I'm not giving up on you, babe. I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to continue holding on no matter what. I'm believing God. Hope believes, listen to this. You need to write this down because this is what hope means. Hope believes in the power of God to transform. Hope believes in the power to transform. I'm not hoping that they're going to change. I'm believing and I'm expecting the power of God is going to change them. 
They're not going to, they can't change themselves. I know they can. I know that their record takes a whole pile of paper on top of the desk. I know they cannot change themselves. I know they have tried to change them. I have tried to change them. Obama has tried to change them. Everybody's tried to change them. They keep going back into the same cycle. I know it may look pretty bad now, but you got in the hells can give a testimony that they know that God can take what seems to be the worst situation in the world. And when you don't give up, you keep believing, you keep expecting that God God is going to turn this thing around. I am God. I'm going to turn it around. But don't you quit expecting. God has power to transform. It takes one time that kid or that daughter or that husband or that wife is fall out on the floor, drunk on the porch. My mom and I used to go get my Uncle Butch drunk at the Jack's beer joint in Evangel, Louisiana. And I remember we're driving up to pick up my Uncle Butch and his head and shoulders would be off the side of the porch and his legs would be on the porch. And we'd drive up in the car and pull him in the car and bring him home. And on the way home, I'd say, Uncle Butch, you drunk again? Yes, baby. Yes, baby. And he was known as the drunk of the bluff. But I want you to know something. He got transformed. And he got saved. And I remember when Uncle Butch wasn't riding in our car, being brought home because he was drunk. But I remember when Uncle Butch was being brought to the the teaching center in Lafayette to dance and praise the name of Jesus Christ because he he was not able to change himself but the power of God was able to transform him write that down hope transforms amen it's associated with the future and let me give you this Romans 8 24 25 for we were saved in this hope but hope that is seen is not hope For what does one still hope for when he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Amen? Amen? Now let me finish with this. I'll get into... I don't want to lose all this good stuff I've got for you. We'll go into it next week. but, But let me finish with this. You may be in the darkest time You may have been believing God for hours or years for something to change. Last week, I I felt I needed to watch some of the uh, passion of the Christ. And one of the parts that got to me was when Jesus had the cross after he'd been beaten and whipped and he had a crown of thorns and he's walking down the Via Dolorosa. He's walking on the way to Calvary. And Mary and John has ran ahead to where Mary could run to him. And Jesus falls down and the cross falls down on top of him and he's in the dirt. And Mary looks and sees her little boy running and falling. Remember that part? And then Mary runs to Jesus and she falls in the dirt next to Jesus. And Jesus grabs her faith and says, Mother, you got, it's in Hebrew, but you can hear his tone. Mother, I'm making all things new. I thought, oh, <laughs> that's hope. He's bleeding to death. He's hurting beyond anyone's ever been hurt. He's beyond any type of recognition that he's even human. And he looks at his mother and he says it with joy and expectancy. Mother, I'm making all things new. And he picks up that cross and he puts his head against it and he hugs it. And he starts to continue going. 
to Calvary. Why? His hope wasn't in the present. His hope was in the future. That after three days, I'm coming out of the grave as King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's no power in hell on our earth that is going to be able to keep my body or me down. And I am making all things new. And my brother and my sister, when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the same spirit, we sung about it a while ago, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And that spirit of Christ is able to make all things new. It is transforming power of resurrection. It's not just the beginning, it's the ending. And when there's an ending, there's a beginning. And so when you see the power of the resurrection of Christ on the inside of you, no matter how dark, no matter how bad, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how I feel, Jesus was not depending on how He felt at the moment. He was not depending on what He saw at the moment. Everybody was against Him. They were whipping Him while He was down. They were whipping Him again and again while He was down. But it says in Hebrews chapter Chapter 13, for the joy of the cross, he endured because he knew he was making all things new for you and I. His hope was in the transforming power that was coming up in his blood and in his mighty name. So I share this with you today, regardless of the continued disappointments, regardless of the pain and the continued suffering. Jesus is telling you, I can make all things new. I can make all things new. I can make all things new. I can. I can. Hope. Don't lose your hope in me, says the Lord. Not in a man. Not in a church. Not in theology. I spoke to a man yesterday in tears. He goes to denominational church. He's an awesome teacher. He's a theologian of the word. Raised in a Christian home. A great man. But he had a divorce. And he had tears in his eyes while he was telling me yesterday. He said, I want to preach so bad. But the D on my forehead keeps me from being able to do it. Because the denomination will not let me because of this D. And he says, I want to preach so bad. That he's got it in him. But man's keeping them down. But there's a hope that says, I'm going to find somebody who's going to listen to me in some place. They may not let me preach in church, but like John Wesley, I'm going to go stand on a tombstone in a graveyard and I'm going to preach to whoever's coming by. I'll go into a prison. I'll go into anywhere that I can. I may not have credentials with man, but I got credentials of God that it's under the blood. Um, he is making all things new. And the devil will try to tell us many times, who do you think you are? I, I, I can still see the holes in your arms. I can still see the, the, the power of what the addiction did to you. I know what happened to you in the abuses of your childhood. I know what happened to you here and there. I know you got the marks on your body that speaks of where you were and what you've done. I I know what you did in selling your body for this and that and the other. I know all about your past. I know where you used to make your money at. I know what you used to do for a living. But Jesus is there with the cross and He's saying, I make all things new. I make all things new. He did not come. He did not come to condemn you. But that through Him, you and I may be saved. Now I ask you to close your eyes and bow your head.